Blog Talk Radio.
we're going to jump into our show. I, I know you're going to get me after this show, but uh, we're going to go ahead and play this song really quick. Before we bring him on the air, 
Um, Brad, is that you? Um, five one three. Yeah, sure is. All right, um, can you hang with us for a little bit? Because I was expecting you to come on at oh. ten thirty. Yeah, I just hey, had a I'll couple. Let me, just, let me just call back at ten thirty. Then I have some emails I can get through. So. Okay, then that that works. All right, I'll Okay. Uh, I just wanted to take care of a few household items. Um, uh, first and foremost, um, I just wanted to let you guys know if you guys have any, um, at any point, if you have anything that you would like to add to the conversation, you have any questions for Brad, you can contact us a couple ways. Um, first of all, you can call us, um, of course, and um, on our live line at 646-915-8200. Or if you would like to send us um, comments or questions via um, Yahoo Instant Messenger, that's an option you can um, um, use as well. The the the, um, the screen name that we're under that you can send the comments to are, is um, the Urban Wire, that's T-H-E-U-R-B-A-N underscore, um, well, Urban Wire, um, uh, and then underscore Indy, I-D-I-N-D-Y, you get that right again, T-H-E-U-R-B-A-N-W-I-R-E underscore Indy, and you can just send your messages or you can send your IMs to us that way. That's a new um, way that we have, um, to, you know, that um, – you can contact us during the show if you have anything that you would like to add to the discussion. Also, um, you can join us on our Facebook group page, and you can look us up under the Urban Coalition of Freelance Writers, or you can type in UCOFW. I'm getting tongue-tied tonight. And that way you can um, keep in contact with us. Not only can you send us messages or you can reply to posts, but you can keep in contact with us and um know when we're going to do our next um, broadcast or if you have something that, you know, that you want to post or a discussion in the forum or anything, you can just come in and um, come interactive with us and, you know, discuss different things that are on your mind or um, different ideas that you would like to exchange with us or if you have a show idea or just anything. So those are the ways that you can contact us tonight. Um Let's see. What else we have? Also, we're going to have um, Jr. He's coming in a little later. We're going to briefly discuss. Uh, we're going to unveil a new show that we're going to have on the UCOFW network that you guys can um, check out as well. That's going to be coming up this summer called 3XR, Race, Religion, and Reality. And it's going to be a free speech Form, like say what you feel, free speech form. And he's going to be the new host of our um, a new show that's coming to our network this summer, and I'm very excited about that. Um, he's he's even more excited about it than me, you know, so that's definitely a good thing. I'm I'm very excited, but he, he just, yeah, he's ecstatic about it. So we're going to really um, delve into that um, later on when he calls in. And also, for those of you, I know some of you have been wondering where Miss DeAndre's been, but she will be on the show. I just checked with her about 15 minutes ago. She said she will be on tonight. So we're going to try to um, throw in a little um, entertainment for you guys. And um, that's about it. Um, Michael, did you have anything that you wanted to add? or? Uh, no, not that I can think of offhand. I think it pretty well covers it. All right. Well, I want to jump in. Um, last week we did our broadcast 
um, uh, during the um, during the whole entire um, Boston Marathon bombing, and um, when we did a show focusing on that, and I, I want to um, come back with you guys for some updates. Um, as you guys all know, they have um, they figured out who was responsible, and um, they were. Um, two Russian brothers that one one was killed in the police pursuit and the other was um, apprehended. And the, the youngest one was apprehended. And currently um, they have filed charges against him. He is currently in the hospital recovering from several wounds um, and injuries during the pursuit. Um, they said currently that he, he can't even talk. That's how bad he's been. He had a throat injury. Um, they're currently um, working through that, and I guess they're going. They have officially filed charges on him. Um, and then on top of that, I want to get to that. We're gonna we're gonna start with that because uh, I got a clip that we're gonna go to. And then when we get back, I also want to discuss the other, the older brother, which was killed. Um, they were saying how in the news that they're linking him to a possible. Um, unsolved slaying that happened back in 2011. So we're going to jump into that. That's an um, article that has been um, printed by the Huffington Post. We're going to jump into that. But first, I uh, want to see, Michael, did you have any, have you heard any updates or anything um, about the Boston bombing that you would like to share or any comments? Uh, the only thing that I I had not heard the one about being connected to a 2011 incident, uh, but I did realize after doing some research today the charges that the one will be indicted on do have the opportunity for the death penalty, and yeah. the particular Massachusetts federal prosecutor that covers that area, uh, she's known as being definitely a hard ass. And they fully expect the government to seek the death penalty. Yeah. However, they have not clarified that as of yet. Okay. And I'm currently um, looking for this clip that I want to play for you guys. Um, also, I want to also bring up the fact that they're one one the older brother that was um, that was um, killed. They want to question his wife as well, and um, they want to see, you know, if she had any involvement or if she knew anything about this um, incident before it happened. And um, that's also one of the clips that I wanted to play um, because, I, but I guess they're really questioning that because, like, I guess she they, they claim that she worked so much and she really never spent a lot of time at home. So they're but they still want to question her to see what information she had about the um, the bombing and, and see if she had any direct or indirect involvement with it. So, um, yeah, I found the clip. We're going to go to this clip. We're going to come back, discuss this, and then I had a couple of articles I wanted to read before Brad comes back on. Um, so this clip is about a little over a minute, close to a minute and a half, so um, we're going to play that, and then we'll be right back. Jokar Sarnarev has been charged by federal prosecutors for his role in the Boston Marathon bombing. The 19-year-old remains in a Boston hospital with several injuries 
including a gunshot wound to the throat that has so far left him unable to speak. He is accused of setting twin explosions that killed three people and wounded more than 180 others, and is charged with using and conspiring to use a weapon of mass destruction against persons and property, resulting in death. The charges represent a decision by the Obama administration to prosecute Sarnarov in federal court instead of trying him as an enemy combatant in front of a military tribunal. Under the military system, defendants are not afforded some of the usual U.S. constitutional protections. Sarnarov is an ethnic Chechen from Russia who has lived in the United States for about a decade. He's a naturalized U.S. citizen, and under U.S. law, American citizens cannot be tried by military tribunals. It is important to remember that uh, since 9-11, we have used the federal court system to convict and incarcerate hundreds of terrorists. I strongly disagree with the Obama administration's decision to rule out enemy combatant status for this suspect at this time. The decision by the Obama administration to try this individual in federal court is a sound decision. It is the right decision. Sarnarov is also likely to face state charges in connection with the shooting death of an MIT police officer. Bob McCall, Associated Press. All right, we're back. Um, pretty much like they said in the report that um, that they are going to um, file federal charges against him, and um, like like I said, that uh, right now I guess he's still recovering from um, injuries from that pursuit um, that took place last week. Um, as you guys know, the other brother was killed. And as I mentioned, the, the the wife, which I thought I, I uploaded that clip, and I don't think it went through in time for the show, but it pretty much was saying how she, um, they really find it kind of hard, even though, because to me it kind of makes sense, too, why they would want to question her, because, like, how could they carry out this plan? I mean, you know, even just constructing the bomb, it just seems like she would know something, you know, um, living with him. And I mean, of course, that's that's your husband. So I mean, you would have to know or have uh, recognized some suspicious behavior, and um, I guess that's probably why they want to question her at this point. But with that being said, I want to jump into this this article. Um, uh, it came from the Huffington Post. Um, I guess it's um, the AP. Um, it's written by Jeff Mulhill. Um, I guess he is a writer for the AP, but I guess they uh, they have a division where they uh, post articles on Huffington Post, and I, it's connecting him, the older brother, to uh, a slaying that took place in 2011. It was it, it, it was un, unsolved, but they're looking to see if he had any connection with that. Um, the article is entitled Boston Marathon Bombing. Authorities will investigate if any links turn up between bombing suspect and unsolved 2011 slang. Okay, it reads as such. Authorities in a Boston suburb said that they would investigate if any links turn up between a suspect and last week's Boston Marathon bombing in an unsolved 2011 slang. Middlesex um, County District Attorney's Office spokeswoman Mary Beth Long told the Associated Press on Monday that her office will not reveal details of its investigation 
or say whether there's new information, but the investigators will follow up if the bombing probe provides any new clues in the slang. On September 12, 2011, three men were found in Walsham's apartment with their necks slit and their bodies reportedly covered with marijuana. One of the victims, 25-year-old Brendan Mess, was a boxer and a friend of Tamerlan Tenares, the 26-year-old bombing suspect who was pronounced dead Friday after a shootout with the police. His younger brother was arrested Friday on Mon- was arrested Friday and on Monday was charged with conspiring to use a weapon of mass destruction. Mess Mess's brother Dylan told AP on Saturday that he and his brother both knew um Denarius, but declined to talk about him. Um and Charles Paquette, the owner of the Waltham house where the bodies were found and where Brandon Mess was a tenant, tenant said that he met some of Mess's boxer friends but does not know if um, Tamerlan was among them. So I guess that's, that's an ongoing investigation right there. And who knows, like over time, they, they, there might be some more things that, that – um, come up about both of these brothers, you know what I'm saying? So um, I just ran to their article. I was like, man, I need to share, share this on the show. So who knows? There could be murders that they're responsible for, all kind of things that were, you know, because I guess they weren't even looked at as suspects at first. I mean, I guess the I heard the parents kind of felt that they were kind of worried about them, but I guess, you know, people in the surrounding community didn't, I guess they didn't, at first hand, they didn't really think anything about them. You know what I'm saying? So those were some of the updates that I found about the whole um, incident. And also, um, I guess there was another uh, article on there on Huffington Post you know, saying that, that the teens obviously didn't have gun licenses and stuff like that, and they were just talking about how um, the uh, the amount of ammunition they found, um, and they were just saying how um, how they might have, you know, um, gotten these weapons, which you couldn't have been through, you know, traditional means, like, you know, because, like, the younger brother couldn't even purchase a gun at the time. You know what I'm saying? He's not even eligible to, you know. Uh, I, I know I had read earlier on a Yahoo posting. I'd probably have to go find it. But I, there was something that had turned up today that said they thought they were legally owned by the, according to Massachusetts law. Well, they said, like, on this article, they said um, the younger brother couldn't apply, even apply for one because he's not even 21 years of age. So I guess that's their, their law there. So I guess mm-hmm. that's the discrepancy right there. I'm not sure, but that's what this article uh, had um, mentioned. Mm-hmm. So, so under their state law, residents under 21 can obtain, um, let me see what they say, um, 
They can obtain a firearms ID card that allows them to own shotguns or rifles that hold less than 10 rounds or less. So I guess they could have um, purchased certain types, I guess. Yeah. That gets into some of that gray area there state by state. Yeah, yeah. So I guess right now they're going through something in the Senate and stuff like that, you know, um, you know, trying to, you know, uh, tighten up the background checks and stuff like that and just trying to get through all that. So um, I don't know. I'm I'm really interested in seeing what else turns up out of this. And, um, I mean, it's just it's just an ongoing, uh, you know, puzzle. That every, they're trying to piece everything together, you know, and I guess they're trying to figure out, you know, what made them do this, why, you know, why, you know, how. So it's going to be really interesting. We're going to uh, stay, uh, keep you guys updated on that. So um, I'm going to go to the phone lines and see if anybody else has joined yet. Um, I believe we have Miss Deandra on air. Deandra, is this you? Yes, it is. Girl, let me tell you, it is good <laughs> to hear that from you. I said, we almost forgot who. Deandra, who I mean, what what's been going? You know, what, you know, you just you just left us hanging. What's been going on? Like, what's been going on? Just life in general. Pretty much, pretty much, just going to school. Yeah, we, so I know you've been um been in, you know doing a lot of stuff. Like you know you've been trying to better yourself and going to school and stuff. I mean, so what's been going on? Nothing much to school, pretty much. Just been enjoying life. That's cool. That's that's what it's all about. Sometimes you just got to really focus on yourself and just, you know, take care of business and just better yourself. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. So that's good. So what do you think about this whole Boston bombing thing? Like, I mean, about, I mean, what do you think about these people that just constantly want to come over here in this country? They got a... They have a problem with how we do things in America, but they want to come here and attack us. Like, what, what do you feel about that? Well, you know what? That's America's fault all the way to the team because you should get a thorough background on them before you make them citizens of the United States. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of their fault. So do you kind of feel that? Is that why we should do more thorough back check, background checks? Yeah, we to... should before we start making people citizens of the United States. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. Well, before we um, jump to our special guest tonight, you know, uh, I just wanted to talk about a little um, entertainment news and stuff because, you know, you know how we do, you know, and we know that you, you keep up with all the latest gossip, and you you know the tea on everything as far as the entertainment industry is concerned. I wanted to ask you about that new movie that came out. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it yet, but I'm pretty sure you've heard about it, Um, the new Tyler Perry movie. Um, I've got to get the name mm-hmm. of it. Um, the Temptation. one, Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of critics have been saying that HIV storylines, like he shouldn't, Tyler Perry and HIV storylines shouldn't mix. And the reason why they, well, this article from BET was saying how 
this, like, he paints a picture that most people that contract HIV is always looked at as, like, they were the ones that were fought, or that it's the evil disease, or, like, you know, just because, mm-hmm. I mean, like, especially in the black community, how it's always looked down upon negatively. Mm-hmm. And, like, I guess they were saying how he pretty much did a stereotypical storyline with this movie. And um, just and it causes a negative stigma, people like him. But what do you feel about I, that? I, I think people look at things differently. Because I, I look at it way different than other people. I think he shines a light and he try to get people to, you know, be safe, you know, and stop. Because mm-hmm. you know how some people are, they only have it in one way. They only think that it's in gay people. They're not thinking, okay, well, you know, it's mainly women that track this disease, but they think it is gay people. You yeah, know what I mean? See, one thing, I'm looking at that now, because I, when I first read the story, I kind of agree. But I was like, I'm glad that he took it from a different point of view because a lot of times exactly. people want to pinpoint it as a gay disease, and really it can be a heterosexual disease too. So mm-hmm. I, I kind of look at it like that. But they mentioned in this article that sometimes we want to look at it as a morality issue too and mm-hmm. instead of a public health issue. And I think we, I think in a way we, we do need to start looking at it more as a public health issue and an issue dealing with human rights because even though people contract this disease doesn't mean that they're not worthy of exactly. or, um, you know what I'm saying, and things of that nature. So I can kind of see both sides of the issue, but I kind of mm-hmm. think, I don't think Tyler Perry meant, meant any harm by it. I think really I got to commend him because he bring he's bringing issues to the public that most people aren't even trying to deal with. You see what I'm saying? Right. They either scared to say somebody or they just sleeping under the rug. So. Right, right. So that's, I got to commend him for that. Um, another story I wanted to bring up, I got to get back to my Facebook page. I, I, I want to talk about, um, and, I, and I'm, I'm probably bring Brad into this because he's back online here. Um, I think we got a couple more people on the line. JR here. All right, but we're going to bring you into the conversation in a minute because I I need to um, get you in here really quick before we jump to Brad because um, we're doing a new show and I want you to tell us about it. But um, we're still doing our entertainment. I'm going to bring Brad into this too. Um, Another story I want to talk before picking on DeAndre is did you hear about that man that was charged, a Mississippi man that was charged with threatening Obama and another U.S. senator with I guess it's, it's like, remember how people were sending, like, um, that anthrax stuff Is in the that mail? the letters and stuff? Is yeah. that to do with some letters? I heard yeah. a little bit about that, but I haven't heard much. But see, I, and I kind of wanted to bring it up because, to me, that kind of reinforces that we still have an, an issue with, we're so quick to always look at international terrorism, but to me, we have more homegrown terrorism and um, things of that nature happen in international terrorism. I think we need to focus more on what's going on in this country versus always trying to point the pen, I mean, you know, point at some other group of people and say, hey, we need to watch out for them, or we need to be watching out for people within our own country. You see what I'm saying? True. So, um, 
And one more thing I want to talk about, and I need to find this article real quick because um, we got to jump into our, our show tonight. Uh-huh. I guess now they're saying that Beyonce and Jay-Z have now broke a million. You know, they're worth over a billion dollars now. So, you know, that's more of a reason for people to, quote, unquote, bow down. You know what I'm saying? They're doing their thing. But a lot of people are criticizing them for taking a trip to Cuba, and they're trying to link Obama to that. Like, I'm so sick of people always trying to link. I mean, like, what does he have to do with them going to Cuba? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. Well, you know, consider that the Castros are about to drop over dead down there. It wouldn't probably hurt us to get a better uh, better uh, working relationship with Cuba, and, you know, that way we could see when power switches over that maybe we could get on friendly terms. I would think so, but, you know, like I said, I just that whole situation, like, you know, like Obama said, like, that's what we have better things to worry about if, you know, than what they do. Like, we, we're not responsible for every. I mean, we may be fans of their music, but we're not responsible for what they do. You know what I'm saying? So I just, you know, I just saw that story, and I was like, you know, it's just people are going to take it off, you know. So I don't know. But with that being said, if we got more time, we're going to jump to some more entertainment stuff later because I wanted to talk about a couple of things that I've seen on, I've been seeing a lot of what, what I would call rap things that have been posted on Facebook. And it just seems to me what's getting out of control with how they put themselves out there on Facebook, on sites like YouTube, World Star Hip Hop. It's just like who don't care how they put themselves out there. And if you're an adult, that's fine. But when you're starting to put children out there in a negative life, then I have a problem. Like she got this out on on YouTube, and she wanted to watch kids get abducted and get raped and molested. Like I was watching this video on YouTube, and I had to post it, and there was a lot of people that had you know issues with it. Of, of this like young girl, like this, this, the mother was in the background with the baby on. The baby couldn't have been more than two months old when the baby was born. Split, popping, and just dancing like this. I'm like, how can you zone your child doing And the child still has diapers on. Now, you teach them that their daughter how to pop box rocket and, and rock down low. But I can't see they can't even say their name. They don't know they damn ABC, one, two, three, and nothing else. I just think it's fun. I mean, what do you think about that, Deandra? <laughs> Uh, I mean, my thing is the like, child needs to be the child needs to be in somebody else's custody who's gonna raise the daughter. How about that? You said what? I said the child needs to be in someone else's custody who's gonna raise the daughter. I think that I'm gonna say that on air, so I might get in trouble for that. <laughs> All right, Jay, we're gonna move to you real quick because we got Brad on the line, and I want to ask him some questions about current events. Um, tell us about this new show that is coming to the network, like to our network. And tell us what you have planned for it and what can you do to And can you give us a little background on it and what the name of the show is? Well, man, I'm really excited about that. The name of the show is going to be 3XR. 
It's going to be an absolute free speech forum, debate, counter-debate type show. Uh, some of the shows I've got lined up, you know, we're been speaking to uh, prior military personnel and uh, reti- retired military personnel. We're going to do, uh, around Memorial Day, we're going to be doing a special where they we'll, we'll get them to tell their stories. And uh, have people maybe get, get a base understanding that don't know of what military life uh, and, and, you know, what the horrors of war truly are, you know. Um, and what, what these gentlemen and uh, ladies and gentlemen had to go through during their time. Also, you know, we, we're, that's not the only thing we're going to be doing. We're... We're, we're, we're going to be hitting just about every topic. We're going to be hitting, you know, topics like addiction, uh, second chances in life, you know. Uh, it, it, it's it, it's going to be re- – I'm really pumped up about the show. I, I think it's going to be very well done, and, uh, oh, you know, it got some fantastic guests for it. Yeah. And the show is going to be produced by yours truly, me. And you know, like I thought like they are the same because I know they are. He, I, like I said, I hope I'm hoping that he can become the new. Uh, he's gonna be the next Steve Wilco of Internet Radio. So you know what I'm saying? Because he, he'll put you in tech real quick. And, you know, and that's one thing I respect <laughs> about him. Like he's gonna tell it like it is. And, and that's like one of those. True. Yeah, and he's gonna get in your face. He's gonna call a spade a spade, and he and like you said, like it's gonna be a free speech, say what you feel format. And I really think that he's gonna handle some things. And I don't know if you want to go far into what I know you you're excited about one particular show. But I don't know if you want to talk about it yet. About you want to talk about the West? Or you don't you don't want to talk? About it. Oh, the people of the Westboro Baptist Church. I'm gonna. Uh, get in touch with them, see if they'd like to come on the show and get their points out. And uh, I'd be more happy for callers to come in, bring their points out as well, you know. Because as anyone knows anything about the Westboro Baptist Church, they're very opinionated. And I figure if anyone out there is uh, a point to bring out to these ladies and gentlemen over over faith, you know, and what so, they, they're they more than welcome to come on out. And, Dale, just for, just for those who don't know about Westboro Baptist Church and the significance of them, like, can you um, give give them a brief background and why, why you want to do this show, do that particular show? Well, the reason I'm taking on that particular show is, uh, you know, the uh, – people at the Westboro Baptist Church, like I said, they're very opinionated, and they they tend to uh, do demonstrations at our troops' funerals, and uh, blaming their deaths and 9-11 and all that on uh, such things as towards homosexuality and how the United States has become a punishment towards us. Mm, mm, mm. Well, we're gonna be looking forward to that. Um, this is this is how I see it, you know. Um, and, and, and I don't know if you guys have ever heard any interviews with the, you know, with them. It's just like they 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 really don't. 
address, like you said, point by point. You know what I'm saying? They they want to overtalk you. They want to speak in tongues. They want you know overshadow you. And they want it. They they like to intimidate people. I've heard their interviews online, and that's and that's and that's how that's their point of attack. That's how that's how they get people. But I know you, Jr. I know you got a cake base for. That's right, right. I do. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I have a, I'm a very opinionated person, and you know, with, with people like this, I'd like to uh, disgrace the sacrifice that our troops have made by uh, doing such things as, as as stupid as that. I'd be more than happy to uh, get get them off. All right. Well, like I said, we're going to have more on this show. Be be on the lookout this summer, um, probably before then. We don't have a, a, an exact start date. Probably we're going to kick it off Memorial Day weekend, but it's definitely going to be on and popping this summer um, with the new show coming to the um, UCOFW network um, called 3XR, which stands for Race, Religion, and Reality, hosted by um, J.R., um, and um, produced by me. Um, we're going to start doing the initial. We're working on the initial tapings right now, so I'm very excited about that. Excited about that. And um, you can check it out, of course, on um, www.blogtalkradio.com/ucofw. Some of the shows are going to probably start off being pre-taped, but we will have live shows as well. So definitely spread the word. Tell people about it. If you guys have any uh, stories you want to share, I mean, we're going to still have the Urban Wire here, but it's just going to be a new addition to our network. So just, you know, be on the lookout. We're going to have some live shows, too, on, uh, well, tapings on on our YouTube channel as well. So you'll get to hear the shows here, and you'll see them on um, YouTube as well. So just be on the lookout for that soon. And um, with that being said, I want to introduce our special guest, here tonight. I don't think he needs any introduction. I think he was definitely a uh, he, people received him very well the last time. Um, very knowledgeable on um, the world of politics and what's going on in the world around us. And I'm just going to, you know, I'm, just, I'm allowing him to reintroduce himself, but, you know, I don't think he, he's family here. He's, he's, he's a supporter of the show, and I really want to appreciate him um, for coming back on and just always supporting us and what we're trying to do, um, just trying to you know get the the word out here and just trying to be objective as possible and just just trying to be really more progressive. But you know, but just trying to be open in general. So um, I want to introduce to you Brad Lowry. He is a member of the Libertarian Party, um, and he currently lives in Mason, Ohio. And we want to thank you for coming on the show again tonight. And um, are you there? Yes, I am. All right. So, um, for those who don't know you, and I, you know, I think a lot of you people have um, remember you from last time. But can you just give us a brief introduction about yourself? And I want to talk, um, ask you some questions. I know you've um, been working with Gary Johnson, and I want you to just tell us about that, how how that campaign is going, and just anything else you mean you want to tell us about uh, what you're currently doing. Sure. So uh, currently, right now, I have several positions with the Libertarian Party, um, my biggest one being Field Development Director. 
for the Libertarian Party of Ohio, and basically that entails just trying to grow membership and expand the size of the party, which I rely on a lot of my franchise experiences. I own four Jimmy Johns, so it's a very natural fit for me to kind of take my leadership abilities to uh, with the franchise world and bring it over the political world in order to make it a little bit more organized. In addition, I'm also the state director for Gary Johnson and his current uh, PAC, which is called Our America Initiative. And we just got off the road about a week and a half, maybe two weeks ago. We did a two-week uh, cross-country tour. We hit eight different college campuses. Um, and we were touring with Governor Gary Johnson and Judge Jim Gray. So overall, very su successful eight-stop tour. We got to get out and talk to a lot of the a lot of the youth who are very energized and very excited about the message of liberty. They've seen what the two-party system has done to this country, which has driven us into $17 trillion in debt, um, destroyed our civil liberties, and continues to put this country in the wrong direction. So the youth really is embracing this type of message, um, basically just for something different. So we're pretty excited about that. Okay. Um, I just wanted to jump in here real quick before we continue. I want people to know if you have any questions, Feel free to call in at area post 646-915-8200, or you can send us. Um, we just started doing this a couple shows ago. You can send in your instant messages to uh, Yahoo, um, and our user thing is the Urban Wire underscore Indy, and that's still I-N-D-Y. Uh, feel free to send in your – if you have any questions or comments and you want to contact us that way, you can. Um I guess my first question I want to um, talk to you about is, especially with you guys being on the road, um, what has been the, the response, you know, um, what, what kind of response have you gotten from people? And and, and what, who, who are you mostly trying to uh, focus your energy on, like? Uh, the focus right now is really being paid towards the youth. Um, and that's why we went to college campuses. We're seeing anywhere from two to 300, 350 people at each stop, which, you know, if you're looking at something after the political election, you know, after a presidential election, you know, getting close to finals, we are very excited about that type of turnout. Just a lot of people tend to tune off to politics after the presidential election, but these kids are still hungry for this type of message. So we're going directly after the youth in that, uh, one thing the Democrats and Obama did very successfully, and really are at least a decade at minimum ahead of the Republicans right now, is really our focus on the youth market and capturing that type of energy. And we were able to translate that somewhat to Ron Paul, who did run as a Republican during the presidential primary. Um, the, the youth vote for him really helped bring him to where he was at. So we're seeing a really key demographic there of people who agree with our message, who want who want to do the work, get out there, and tell their friends about it. So that's why we're just really trying to hit that youth demographic very hard right now. That's good. Okay, I have a question. Like, cause I know I, I, you know, I follow you. You know, I really, um, you know, respect you know um, what you do, and you know, respect what you do. But I know I've noticed um, that you are a very avid. Um, um, oh God, I lost. <laughs> I don't lost my train of thought. Um, hey, yeah, and 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 I want to know um, where does that stem from? I also wanted to know where does religion play in the um, Libertarian Party because I know so many times that we looked at the church and a lot of people have uh, have connected 
um, sure. having to ideas having to deal with the church. Where does religion play in the Libertarian Party, and what are, in, in, as far as your personal um, views, what have what has drove, driven you not to necessarily be a fan of the church? Sure. Um, the first part, I wasn't sure you said it. You said personally, I'm not a fan of the church. Was that the first part of the question correct? Yeah, I mean, what, 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 I mean, he, sure. and, I, and I know that's probably not the official stance uh, of the Libertarian Party, but I, but I was just wanting to know um, what, what is your personal opinion of the church and religion in general, sure. and what, and how has it affected society in your opinion? Sure. Absolutely. Um, the most important thing to realize is that, like every other member of any political party or any person who represents them, we all obviously have our own religious beliefs. Um, I am definitely a devout, quote-unquote, atheist, which I'm not a fan of organized religion. And I think that might have potentially have led me to libertarianism, but I'm not entirely positive. The one thing I really enjoy about the Libertarian Party is we accept members of all faiths. We had a meeting, goodness, probably about two months ago in Warren County, Ohio, um, Scott Pettigrew is our chair there. Does a fantastic job, um, and we had we had m- members there who were Christians. I believe we had a Catholic, we had a Muslim there, we had an agnostic, and an atheist myself. So we really had a wide variety of religious um, viewpoints sitting down at the same table discussing the same exact message. We basically just don't want to get religion involved in government. We don't feel that anyone's religion has a has an edge over the other, just as myself as an atheist, I don't feel that we need to be going out there and preaching Richard Dawkins to everyone through the government. It's just, you know, my right to believe or not believe should be protected by the government, and your right to go to your church and your place of worship should be protected. And uh, and as much of a, not of a fan of organized religion as I personally am, because I, I, I'm just really not a huge fan of what it's done, I think, greatly recently. So I think there's a lot of good there. I will fight my death for your right to attend any church you want to attend in this in this country. And that be it you Muslim, Christian, Catholic, any denomination here and there out, Wiccan, any religion, I will fight my dying breath for everyone in this country to attend their place of worship as they choose. Yeah. And and speaking of which, um, I know there's been a lot because I want to definitely get into uh, uh, with the recent Boston bombings, we're going to get to that um, soon. But um, since we're on the um, topic of religion, do you? I guess that's a good segue to discuss uh, DOMA and Proposition Eight and the whole issue of civil unions and gay marriage. Do you kind of feel that? Um, you do you kind of feel that religion has been um, how should I put it? Has it been kind of like placed too much into this whole debate? Do you think? Do you think like with people not realizing there is a division, regardless of what their view of gay marriage, you know what your views are about that? Do you think like the, the church is kind of like a religion has kind of like rooted itself too much into this? Discussion right now, which is kind of turned people off. You think? Um, oh, what are your yeah. On that? Yeah, they absolutely have. I mean, Seneca, we need to go back very, not really, not too far in our own personal history in America, where the church was standing against interracial marriage. You know, that that was literally in people who are walking around in the street today in their lifetimes where the church stood against interracial marriage. 
you know, mm-hmm. and now that they, they've lost that battle, thankfully, rightfully so, because it's our right as American citizens to marry anyone we want of any race we would like for them to be. And, and now we're basically seeing that version 2.0 currently today, where they're saying, you know, a man and a man cannot be wedded, or a, you know, a man and a you know, a woman and a woman cannot be wedded together. Now, once again, the Libertarian Party's viewpoint on this basically is that any two dissenting adults have a right to enter into any relationship they'd like to without interference from the government. So if I decided, you know, I'd like to become a homosexual, which I know you don't become one, but we'll just say hypothetically, and I want to go marry my friend Steve, then by goodness, as long as he's dissenting to it, we have every right to do that. Currently, we have over 1,100 laws on the books in regards to heterosexual marriage. As much as I would love to repeal every single one of those 1,100 laws and get government out of marriage, it simply is just not reasonable. And that's why we do fully support marriage equality, just to bring the same rights, you know, to, to, as myself and my ex-wife had, you know, as any gay couple on the street would, would like to enjoy. And I think the church standing up against that really is what's turning them off to the youth demographic, which is increasingly more accepting of gay marriage than any other demographic currently in the country right now. And those are the types of issues where I think they're fighting a losing battle, trying to appeal to a very conservative social base without really seeing the wider picture of what they need to do to draw new members. And if we look at the teachings of Christ, Jesus himself, he said absolutely nothing against homosexuality. Zero, nada, nothing was ever mentioned about homosexuality by Jesus himself. And I think if they get back to the root cause of... That's good question. I want to bring Michael in on that. Uh, I mean, you've been sitting there... Because I know Michael's going a long spiel about that. So... That's all I could. Well, floor is yours. Well, and you're absolutely right. Jesus' actual words, he had words that discussed divorce. You know, he had discussed that, carried over from Moses' law. He had discussed the holiness laws. But he never once condemned homosexuals, never once. There's not a single word on it anywhere in there. It wasn't until Paul come along after Jesus that he proclaimed Jesus had an issue with it and then tried to connect it with some of the Jewish holiness laws. Which Jesus had kind of pretty much said wasn't really necessary. So absolutely. I mean, in, in speaking of religion and how it is had, how it is had, um, I don't even would it be safe to say indirect or direct um, impact on society? Like we even go back and look at historical issues, um, revol- you know, dealing with women's rights. Um, Civil rights, uh, the issues of slavery, um, just um, just things, just just the society roles and like and gender roles and things of that nature, and how the Bible has used to uh, justify the oppression of different segments of you know uh, you know of the, the the United States. Do you think that that's something that people are now starting to? Uh, Realize, and especially with the younger generation, do you think that that's something that they're they're trying to um, steer away from? Do you think that the younger generation is kind of looking for something different based on what you've seen, Brad? Uh, you know what? It, it's such a a wide wide scope of a question there. Yeah, um, that was a lengthy question. Yeah, but yeah. Um, 
You know, I think it really just comes down to the fact. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Hey, he told me to give it to you. Okay. So. Oh. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing is it's really such a, it's really it's such a wide question there, which really covers a lot of territory. But, you know, at the heart of it, while they have, the Bible has been used to stand against all forms of different types of oppression, it also has been used to inspire so much love and so much inspiration throughout history. And, you know, you can really take anything from the Bible and use it to support any viewpoint we want. We know that, I mean, the Ku Klux Klan was able to use the Bible in order to, you know, use for their message of hatred and ignorance. It can be used to support those types of things, but it can also be used by some of the most loving and generous people we have ever seen in this world. So I think it's, you know, it's something the church needs to focus on. It's just using that message of love and peace in order to expand their message and get in touch and expand their base and to further condemn the people who use that as a message of hate. I, I think that definitely be a huge benefit to the church today in order to reach out to the younger demographics. Yeah. And, and, and let me and let me say this: we are not. Uh, we are not pro anti-church because I'm far from, um, I, but I am anti-establishment. You know, because I think the establishment of the church and what it's become. Now, I'm not talking about the, the church that Jesus Christ Himself established, because I'm all for that. But I'm just talking about the institution that we have um, allowed to dominate our culture. To where you know, uh, where, um, where they're constantly sucking life, the life out of people, and sucking resources out of people, but not giving back. And I'm not talking about all ministries, but I've noticed so many times it's like you're giving more to these churches than what they're putting out. And I think yeah. that's, that's you know, and I think they're becoming. They're becoming way too influential in a negative way, you know. So that's how I feel about that, and I just kind of feel like, you know, when we talk about politics, we have to look at it from a different uh, point of view. You can't bring religion into politics. I know that's a hard concept for some people to to understand, but you have to look at it from a and so, and like I said, not all laws, laws doesn't make it We have looked at law from an objective point of view. You know what I'm saying? So I think a lot of people have a problem with that, and I think that sometimes the church doesn't realize that, hey, when we're talking about law and we're talking about rights, you can't you, – you see what I'm saying? So, yeah. Yeah. And and I think a really good point to bring in here is, um, and we're going to kind of tie this back into uh, politics, which you touched in the second part. And it's really a free market, and that's something the Libertarian Party is a huge fan of, is allowing the market to decide. And the church is, in itself is really kind of a marketplace, if you think about it. They're right. trying to gain customers, aka worshipers, and they need to do that by having the best message possible are the best practices possible. As they continue to turn people off, they're going to lose market share. And as they lose market share, you're going to lose churches. And eventually, if they start wising up, they're eventually going to, you know, change your message. 
it's just like you'll not walk into a church today where they say, you know, that black people should still be slaves as we did 200 years ago. That message is not going to be talked about because the marketplace has modified their message. And an important thing when people are talking about politics and, you know, their religion and, you know, we want to legislate our morality, the most important thing to realize is just because it's the people who agree with your religion today doesn't mean they're going to be the same people tomorrow. You know, what if a bunch of atheists took over uh, the U.S. government and started mandating, you know, things which you did not agree with your religion or forced you to do things you did not personally agree with or or Muslims or, you know, strict Catholics or strict Jewish people. These are things you may not personally agree with with your morality or your viewpoints but are now being legislated to you through the government. And that's why it's very critical to limit the role of government in their ability to make decisions based off of someone's morality. Just because you agree with it today does not mean you're going to agree with it tomorrow. Right. Um, another issue I wanted to bring up is, out, and me and Michael was discussing this um, recently, is about, we were just talking about um, over time have, how the parties have shifted throughout the years and how they've evolved and how their um, platforms on different key um, issues that, you know, that come up today, how they've shifted and evolved in, over time. Do you Do you feel that there needs to be a shift, I mean, you think it's about time for them to make another shift in their, you know, evolvement? You know what I'm saying? Like, do you think that it's about time for them to evolve? Because a lot of times, on both sides, they're losing a lot of footing from different demographic groups. What do you think, what are their biggest pitfalls? How do they house? Do they need to currently evolve, say? Yeah, yeah they, they, both parties definitely need to evolve and really a, and get back to the roots of what brought them to where they're at today. You know, the Democratic Party no longer stands for civil justice. They no longer are the party of peace. They no longer are the party of really social responsibility. <clears throat> and the Republican Party is no longer the party of fiscal responsibility. They're no longer the party of, uh, you know, social conservatism, which is really keeping the government out of all of our lives. These parties have merged into really one big party where they're all pro-spending, pro-tax, pro-war. And the only thing that's going to force them back to where they've come from is really a third party, in my opinion. Right now, they're not losing market share, and that's what we always have to think about with this is market share. Are they losing seats? Are they losing elections? The answer is no. And as long as they keep winning elections, they have no incentive to stop what they're doing, which is really playing to the uh, big money lobbyists lining all their pockets with a ton of cash at the cost of you and I. So they absolutely need to evolve. We need to force that evolution now. Yeah. And and, and I think that also, um, I don't know, I know with, with, you know, with how things are right now with the economy and everything like that, do you think that um, they have failed to, both sides, do you think in a way that they have they both um, failed in as far as like um, fiscal responsibility? Um, do, you, do you think that they have been reckless with spending and not, you know, trying to get this budget under control? Do you think that their focus is off? Do you, and do you think that we need to be uh, lending all this aid of other countries, or do we need to be focusing more on what's going on here as a country? Like while we're falling apart, we're trying to build up other other countries. I mean, what do you feel about that in general? 
Well, yeah, we, we definitely have become the country of fiscal irresponsibility. We're over a trillion dollars from our budget from what we're able to bring in. There's a trillion dollar deficit. And that's not even talking about the $17 trillion in debt we currently have in this country. And both parties are equally responsible. Well, let me correct that. The Republicans actually are 51% responsible with Democrats at a 49% if we look at it dollar spent over uh, control of certain sections of government. And well, all at the same time, while our infrastructure is falling apart, we recently were graded, I believe, a D-plus at best, I believe it was, um, for our infrastructure. <laughs> exactly. If I had a D-plus in school, you know, mom would whoop my ass. <laughs> but unfortunately, <laughs> our government continues to spend. Uh, you know how it is, Seneca. And, but, we, but we're still sending billions of dollars overseas to these other countries for money we don't have. We literally are borrowing money from China to give it to other countries. At one point, you just have to say, stop, this is fiscally irresponsible. You and I both understand if we have a credit card and we continue to borrow money from that to give it to someone else, how long are we going to be able to sustain that? Not very long. And that's what we're starting to see. We're starting to see unsustainable debt in this country to the tune of $17 trillion, where 43 cents of every dollar we print in this country right now is solely for debt and inflation. And eventually that's going to become 45 cents, 47 cents, 50 cents. And then it's a tipping point, which is just, I don't know if we're able to pull back from that. Uh, so absolutely, we need to stop the spending. We need to, There's going to be some very painful cuts. And when you're talking about a $3 trillion budget, there's going to be, have to be a lot of cuts made, which you and I are not going to agree with. But it's the same thing as if we lose our job or if we go through a tough financial times. There's a lot of choices you and I personally have to make in order to get through that time period. You know, maybe I don't want to cut the cable or maybe I don't want to, you know, have to eat ramen noodles every night, but I have to. And that's the point we're at in this country. We have to make these difficult choices, which are going to affect every single person in this country, unfortunately. Well, the problem is they're going to have to take um, real um, bipartisanship. What do you think about the whole principle of bipartisanship? Do you think it's just across a, a mass pretty much? Because, it, it, I mean, what I mean is it, is there any bipartisanship going on right now? Are you feeling your – I mean, are, are there – or is it, do you think it's just a mudslinging contest, you know, and, and, and they're not really um, – really catering to the issues of the average, everyday, um, hardworking American. You're, you're absolutely correct. You're definitely not in tune with the average issues that you and I face on a daily basis. There absolutely is bipartisanship in this country, and we can look at uh, such damning uh, legislation such as NDAA, which in itself is not a bad piece of legislation. It's, it's, the NDAA is the National Defense Authorization Act. It itself is the way we... Uh, help control defense spending, which is necessary. It, we've been around for as long as we can, as long as we really we've been spending with uh, the military. <clears throat> but however, there's two pieces in there, uh, section 1021 and 1022, I believe, which is indefinite detention without representation. You and I both know if we get arrested, we have a right to representation in this country. You have a right to lawyer. You have a right to a fair trial. That segment states in itself that you, even as an American citizen, are not allowed representation, and you can be indefinitely detained, which is forever, as long as they feel you're a threat to the country, with very minimal evidence, if any, ever needed. And a lot of people don't know about that. That passed with flying colors through the House and the Senate and was signed by President Obama. 
um, despite the fact he said he would veto it. And then when it went to court, he sent his lawyers in to ferociously defend that piece of legislation in order to keep it. So, yes, bipartisanship measures do occur, usually, unfortunately, at the cost of the American public. When there's positive pieces of legislation that actually need to be pushed through, that's where we see that gridlock, and it becomes a dog and pony show. They know what they're doing. They're working together. There's conversations that happen between those two parties. Um, unfortunately, it's at the cost of the American public where they put these dog and pony shows in front of us where we're so worried about you know, issues such as gay marriage, which is a very important issue, but not when it comes, not in comparison to $17 trillion in debt mm-hmm. in this pro-war state we've entered into, which, you know, Seneca, you went to school the same time I did. You know, we've been in this war now since we were in high school. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. We're, we're, we're 29 now, at least I'm 29. Ten years. You know, one of our good friends. Yeah, one of our good friends, Jesse Hollings, was one of the first uh, uh, Hoosier soldiers uh, to be yeah. killed in that war, um, which was a travesty. And it continues on to this day, and that's the issues we need to be facing. Why are we spending $720 billion on our war machine in order to invade all these countries, to blow them up, and then, like you stated, to turn around and give them a check to rebuild their country while our infrastructure is falling apart? It's absolute <laughs> absurdity that this continues on. But I'm this is my thing. Like, you know, we're sitting over there spending like like you said, trillions of dollars um of you know, of you know, trillions of dollars that we don't have to spend in a country. We're never gonna own the, the oil over there, we're never going to it's, 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 this has been a conflict that's been going on since the dawn of times over there. You know, these people have been fighting, right. these people have been warring over there for I mean, thousands of years and we're sitting over there over here thinking that we're going to Put a dent in that, and we're really, as we see it, it's, it's just it's a never-ending battle. It's, it's useless for us to be over there. But my thing is, what are we going to do? And this is my next question: What do you feel about um, what's going on in North Korea and the threat of that? Like, um, what do you I mean? What do you feel like that? Do you think that that's the that's the real threat that we need to be focusing on right now, or what 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 is your opinion about what's going on with that conflict right now? You know, my viewpoint on that is basically that North Korea poses no legitimate threat to us. They put, they they have they possess no weapons that are capable of reaching our shores. They possess no army that's capable of landing on our shores and, and really doing anything to us. So it's really such a completely overblown position. However, we do have allies in that country, such as um, South Korea, and that's where the issue lies. Mm-hmm. And what what it comes down to is we're continuing to involve ourselves in all of these relationships. So, right. And we continue right. to have to be the bully that jumps in, and we have to play, you know, we have to carry a big stick and start swinging it. At one point, yeah. we need to realize that, you know, we are not the world police. That is not our position. We are not meant to be doing these type of things. And and that's why we're continuously getting involved in all these different skirmishes, which have extended these wars. Every time we think we're going to get out of one, we're entering into another one. Um, we just need to tell South Korea and North Korea, listen, you guys need to play nice together. It's not our responsibility. We have our own issues to focus on. Right. And we returned, when we return to fiscal responsibility in this country and we're paid off on our debt and our roads are built and our children are educated and we're not sick and no one's starving, then let's worry about some other people. But we can't worry about other people as we continue to sit here and suffer on our own country. And, and as we continue to get involved in these, in these countries and we continue to sit there and wave around our big stick, we wonder why they want to strike out against us. 
look at Iran, Iran, for example. In 1952, we helped dispel their democratically elected president, and BP is actually the company which helped uh, lead this up. And we put in a president which everyone hated. And eventually we regained a relationship with that country, where after 2011, after we were attacked, Iran had the largest showing of foreign support ever in the entire world for the United States of America. How do we respond? Through economic sanctions, through military sanctions. We put military bases around the countries and point bombs at them. Of course these people hate us. I would too if someone came here and restricted my ability to eat, my ability to get medicine, my ability to live the life I want to live. I would hate that country. Of course these people hate us, and that's why we continue to get involved in all these different skirmishes, and it's this never-ending cycle because it's all money. That's all it is. These people are making you know, billions of dollars off of us while we're the ones who die. You know, our friends are the ones who are killed in wars. You know, I was at that. And, and it's just like we're, you know, yeah. and, 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 um, and this kind of, because I want to um, talk about that um, in, in reference to um, the threat of, um, um, I'm going to do a show about this in the future. And I think it's one of the shows we're going to do on our upcoming um, uh New show that we're going to talk about. We're going to, we're going to break the, the, the term of terrorism now. But do you think that international? What do you think is the greatest threat? Do you think you know um, domestic terrorism is the biggest threat right now, or international terrorism? And um, um, what makes you know? Can you give us some examples of what you know of you know to kind of back up what you think? Sure. I mean, and, and what a great question, especially with now what we've just seen in this country, where we've just seen, exactly. you know, what we're trying to determine is this domestic or is it terrorist? And, you know, previous week in Newton, um, Newtown, whatever, how you pronounce it, uh, which would be domestic terrorism. Um, do, do I feel either one's necessarily, necessarily a bigger threat? Absolutely not. And the reason I feel that way is because these are such isolated incidents, unfortunately, given a very large screen. You know, we had these two um, individuals, which were naturalized American citizens, uh, commit a very atrocious act recently in Boston. How do you mm. prevent that individual from doing something like that? And, and that's a you know a very deep question that which you know we could discuss hours about. You'll never stop these lone wolf attacks. If we have to ask which is a greater threat, I would venture to say potentially internet, uh, uh, foreign terrorism. For the mere fact that we're so involved in all these different countries that we're breeding a hatred of, of America, and, 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 and that hatred leads to anger and resentment and eventually leads to violence. We're creating our own enemies through economic sanctions and through wartime sanctions and by being involved in these lives. These domestic terrorists, such as we saw in Connecticut, or Jared Loeffner, or, that, um, or the numerous other net jobs which do these mass shootings, these are just sick individuals who see a way for them to get whatever twisted message they feel they need to get out through the media. And, 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 and there's nothing you can do. You know, a lot of things, and like like you mentioned something, like how we have our hands and, and everybody else is hot. Like we're trying to, you know, you know, trying to, uh, like you said, be big brother to everybody else. But my thing is, it's like, we're the ones, the civilians here in the United States, we're the ones that have to face the consequences of what they're doing over there. They don't have to face it. The people the people that are making the decisions and people that are, uh, that are you know, carrying out this stuff, they, they're the ones that don't have to, 
to to suffer the consequences of you know uh, for you know people coming over here committing acts of terrorism against our country. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. to me, it's just like you know it, it, it's a lot of key elements that we have to consider when you know when we're discussing it. You know. Yeah, it, it, and what. And when we're looking at these acts of terrorism, we have to look at really, you know, the actual cost of what happened. 9-11 is a perfect example. You know, we had over 3,000 Americans killed in that, uh, you know, act of terrorism, which is disgusting. You and I were in the U.S. We are young still, 17, 18, actually a little bit younger than that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, I was a son here, but, you know, it was such an emotional, informing time for us to see so many Americans killed in through that act of terrorism. But from that, we've seen over 7,000 American soldiers killed. You know, yeah. trying to apply that, then we've seen a destruction of our civil rights where you and I can't even get on an airplane anymore without being, you know, you know, raped by some type of uh, TSA agent, which I just did recently <laughs> going to Las Vegas. I took the pat down, and normally I have to pay a woman a really good amount of money to touch me like that. But there they are doing it for free. Um it's a destruction of our civil rights. That's the true, you know, that's the true harm to society. And, of course, none of us want to be blown up, you know, while we're watching the Boston Marathon or at whatever sporting event we have. And when that fear leads us to wanting some type of safety, then we give away our liberty for safety. That's the actual crime. That's the most dangerous thing we face to society as we continue to hand away, hand away our rights in order for the illusion of safety, which is all it is. We can never truly stop these lone wolf terrorist, you know, terrorist attacks. It's just, unfortunately, a fact of life we have to live with. We live in one of the greatest countries in this world. Hundreds of people ran towards the explosions when the explosions happened. And that's what I think a lot of people need to realize. Hundreds upon thousands of people ran towards the worst thing they've ever seen in their life in order to help other people. That's humanity which we need to protect. You'll never camp out these sick individuals, and we should never threaten our way of life in order to allow people to win in my opinion. And, and then we're gonna, uh, I'm gonna get to um, see what Jr. and um, uh, Michael they want to jump into this. But what, what is, in your opinion, what is the definition of an American? And, and the reason why I'm asking this is because. Um, like you said, like especially when you're dealing with um, the, the you know the, uh, the Democrats, the Republicans, and the Libertarian Party, like you know, I guess they have their idea of what an American is. But throughout time, and like you know, throughout history, um, especially leading up to today, we see that Americans come in all different shades. Colors um, come from different backgrounds, religions. What is your definition of an American, as it, you know, um, from your point of view? Because I think some people feel that you have to be a certain way to be considered a quote-unquote American. What is what's your definition of an American? Well, Seneca, I will completely admit here I am a very uh, I'm an extremist on this question, and my viewpoint does not necessarily agree with the Libertarian Party's viewpoint. Yeah. I'm not really a fan. I'm not a fan of borders. You know. Uh, I, I think everyone has a right to travel freely as any human being. I don't think any government has a right to tell me I can or cannot go to any country. Just like we're discussing about Cuba earlier, I have every right to go to that country. No government can tell me no. So I, I think American is really more about the spirit, which is, you know, being responsible 
wanting to support yourself, wanting to pick yourself up from your bootstraps and build a better life for you and your family. And that's what this country was founded on, was the opportunity, which was a free market, where if you had an idea, then damn it, you could do something about it. You could build a business for yourself. You know, you could take care of your family. You could go get a good job if you wanted to work at a factory and put your kids through college. Where right. did that disappear? And that that ingenuity, that spirit to me is what defines Americans. I think anyone can be American. Some of the hardest working people I know have been in this country for less than two years. They've come from other, you know, horrible, you know, horrible countries or horrible situations, and they come over here and they love every second of it. They work their asses off in order to, you know, progress themselves in their lifestyle. And some of the worst Americans I know are the ones who were born in this country that, you know, don't want to contribute, don't want to work hard don't want to do something for themselves. It's just like yourself in this radio show. You had an idea and you said, damn, I want to do something about this. You know, I want to, I want people to hear what I'm having to say. And you do something about it. And that's what right. makes this country absolutely amazing to me. So I think anyone can be an American as long as they have the belief of being personally responsible for themselves. Mm-hmm. And do, do you think over time that our, the government has kind of handicapped, I don't want to say handicapped people, but it's, I guess you could say handicapped people, but they have. No, yeah, you can't. Yeah, yeah, they, they absolutely have handicapped people. Um, I'm a small business owner myself, and I speak from experience about this. You no longer can go out you know, with a few dollars in your pocket and create the business in order to kind of sustain yourself and your family. Now, of course, there's always going to be exceptions. You know, hey, you know, you know this person who took $500 and made something for himself? Phenomenal, fantastic. It does happen still. But it's becoming more and more difficult for that person to become successful due to regulations and all these licenses. You know, just more often, like my my newest Jimmy John's opening up, I have over $1,100 in permits alone just saying I have the privilege of opening up something. And that's not talking about the, you know, tens of twenties of thousands of other dollars, which is wrapped up in other government regulations. So now you've created a system where only the rich are able to get richer. And that's the complete exact opposite of capitalism or the free market where you have a true free marketplace where you say, hey, I'm able to start up, you know, I want to start going here and I'm going to start cutting here out of my garage. And the state comes to you and says, well, no, you actually have to be licensed. It has to be this type of facility, yada, yada, yada. Well, now you're out of, you you don't have any money, so how can you abide by those regulations? So the government has placed so many roadblocks in place in order to, for the perception of safety, once again, or the perception of, you know, this safe environment, that you really have destroyed the American dream for, you know, tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of American citizens for something as simple as wanting to cut hair, perhaps. Yeah. Okay, Brad, I do have one question for you. So you sure. hold, hold on, Mike, let me ask you. So, so, you're, so you're saying that the idea of pure capitalism is starting to crumble. I mean, in, in, like, in, in not crumble, but like in certain ways, do you feel that with all these, you know, like, you know, we preach capitalism, but here, like, like you said, it's, it's, it's almost hard for people to um, have a free enterprise where they can be entrepreneurs and, and venture out and do things on their own. Do you think that that the, the, the pure principle of capitalism here is starting to, to crumble a little bit? Yeah, capitalism is long gone. What we what we see now is a corporatism, and basically, in order to find that for your listeners if they're not familiar with that term, is basically. Um, where corporations and governments are in bed with each other in order to protect both their interests. So, you know, like Monsanto, which is a 
uh, food company, recently pushed through some legislation which gave them immunity uh, against their seeds and the potential outcome of what could happen from that. From that. So when you have a company purchasing legislation that says, I am basically, uh, I have immunity against any bad decision I make, that's corporatism. Because in a true free market, that company would be held accountable for their actions. And when they when they say, well, you know, hey, I'm a chain of 10,000 haircut places, and I want the state of Ohio to place in this licensing system in order to keep people out because of the more barriers I put out, the less competition I have, the more money I make. So long gone in this country. It's corporatism. It, it's the top, and I don't even like to use the top 1% uh, terminology because I'm a member of the top 1%. I don't think I'm a bad person. It's really a top 0.01% or 0.001% where you have a few people that are really trying to control the market in order to maximize the amount of money they make um, at the cost of myself and yourself. Okay. Well, Mark, I know you had a question, and I'm going to open it up to JR, too. Um, go ahead. Um, you had something to say. I guess one of the things, and as I was following Brad along there, you know, I agree. i got to say I agree with you. You know, it's the big business. It's the big corporations. They're in bed together with, you know, I get it. I, I totally agree with you on that. And But and that's maybe a question coming a little bit later in the conversation. It may hopefully doesn't seem terribly out of place. But do you think at the time, let's take Social Security, for example, at the time when it was created, do you think back then it was a good thing? And it's one of those that have failed to because of the change of the times that it's no longer that and Medicare and things like that are no longer what they used to be. Because back I know in the time when it was created, it was a great thing to help a lot of people out, you know, post depression, things like that. Do you think that some of those types of programs have lost their usefulness due to the change of the times. No, I completely agree with that statement. Social Security, when founded, was um, meant really as a last resort uh, for the elderly in this nation. Back when our life expectancy was 55 or 60 years old, that's when you were eligible for uh, Social Security benefits. So if you exceeded the life expectancy, you had some type of basic social safety net in order to protect you. That was a phenomenal concept. The problem is now is now the average age is, I think, 74 in this country. So now you're retiring at 55, and you've got 20 years, honestly, of good work left in you. And we've yet to readjust that. And we've expanded the Social Security net in order to include different people without really changing people collecting money for it. So it definitely has been a, it was a fantastic concept that has failed to keep up with the times of society. Um, so my solution with it would be at least would be to increase the retirement age. And obviously, you have to do that as a stepping stone. People who are my age, you know, we're paying into a system, which we were told we'd get at 55. So I feel we need to uh, maintain our contracts with individuals like myself. But if they're born today, then tell them, hey, your age is now 75 or 80, and then push that back. And I think that's helped re relieve a lot of the issues we have. It's the same thing with Medicare and Medicaid. We absolutely need to have these social uh, programs in order to protect the neediest people of society. The problem is, is we've redetermined the we've we've redefined the term needy to include a large chunk of people, and it's just financially not sustainable. So, do you think, in speaking in terms of the Libertarian Party and some of the examples and viewpoints, do you think then that 
the idealized concept of what it should mean to be an American and an American citizen. And that desire for hard work is probably what's led to the downfall of some of the effectiveness of what these things were meant to be. Yeah, you know, I, I could definitely see that. Um, you know, I'm not really sure where this went wrong or or where we decided to, you know, to, to not redefine firms in order to take care of the neediest people of society. Because I've yet to meet a libertarian that says, hey, we don't need to take care of the neediest people in our society, because we absolutely do. Yeah. Um, I, guess know, term, I guess the term the neediest people of society is, today it's not what it was 50 years ago. Exactly. I'm sorry, exactly. could you repeat that? Um, repeat that again, Michael. I said I guess what we're looking at, though, is basically the terms the neediest people of society today in 2013 is a much different space than, than it used to be in, say, 50 years ago. Oh, you're absolutely correct. And the reason that happens is because we get politicians in office that want to continue to do more and more in order to you know, keep being reelected. So it's easy to say, okay, well, the neediest people are these 1%. Then we'll say, well, you know, we're going to jump it up to 2% because we want to take care of more people, and that's the right thing to do. And the next guy comes in and says, well, we're going to jump it up to 5% because that's the right thing to do. And it continues onward and onward and onward where you just keep redefining that term in order to protect these people's ability to be reelected. Um, so, you know, I don't think it's through any fault of any of anybody, but it's definitely – a lot of the politicians more worried about their own butts than than ours. And let me, and this is a question I had um, had for you too. Cause, I mean, when we when we talk about, like you said, defining um, who the neediest, who the, the true the neediest people of society are, do you, I guess that kind of leads into the middle class. How I mean, because I think that they're the ones that the the, the average everyday working hard person. I really feel that a lot of times that. They're the ones that are forgotten, and with this, with the middle class is starting. Cause you see upper middle class and then lower middle class and all that stuff, but we're starting to see that line blur within that class. And I think a lot of, I just think it's a class that is that is forgotten because it just seems like the people that are the, the working class people that are trying to, you know, uh, maintain two or three jobs and that are trying to work hard to just uh, to to. Uh, to to um, have the, the 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 bare necessities, I think that they're often overlooked and forgotten. And it just seems like either the people that are extremely rich or the people extremely poor are the ones that are getting benefits. But where, where does the where does the middle class come in? Like as far as your party is concerned, how how I mean what what's what's in it for the middle class? I mean how you know where do they fit in with your uh, party? If that makes any sense. No, I think the the class the reason to look at the spending we have in the sector currently, that's what's leading to the issues of, you know, uncertainty. You have companies that don't want to start up in our country because they have, you know, a ton of tax that they're they're dealing with. You have uh, companies that are afraid of, you know, the, our regulations, all these things. So they they abandon America and go open up in different countries. And when you do that, you're taking away jobs from the middle-class Americans. Um, the Libertarian Party, through elimination of the income tax and bringing in something a fair tax, which is a consumption tax, 
um, would immediately jumpstart our economy. I don't need to tell anybody that corporations are inherently going to want to avoid taxes. If you can minimize their taxes, <clears throat> they're going to open up your country because we have the best workforce. We have the best quality. When you return these jobs back to this country, <clears throat> you're going to solve a lot of issues the middle class is facing. You're going to solve a lot of issues that people in poverty are facing right now because as the job market expands, there's going to be more positions open up for people in the lowest rungs of society they're going to have an ability to get a job, get back on their feet, or maybe find lower-paying jobs, which is better than what they're currently getting now. Um, so I think that's where the Libertarian Party really speaks to the middle class and say, are you tired of you know, spending billions of dollars blowing up countries you don't even know where they're at on a map? Or do you want to take that money and keep it in your pocket and create jobs in All our right. country in order to give your neighbor a job? That's where we and, really, and really just that, that kind of leads me into to another question I want to ask you too, Brad, as far as, like, education is concerned, because now it just seems like it's very discouraging, um, and, and I think that I think I commend you for um, going to the college, college campuses and getting their point of view, because I think the largest, uh, I think the growing kind of disgruntled segment of society is, is like, young college students. Like, you, you go to school, um, you work hard, go to school, um, gain an education, a degree, you, you rack up all this debt, and then, you know, there's, you know, the job market is just, like, ridiculous out here. And it's just, like, very frustrating. You know, there's people, you know, young people out here that want to go to school, get an education, become self-sufficient, you know, become entrepreneurs and, uh, and, and, and everything. And, you know, with, you know and, and it's just, like, very frustrating, you know, um, you know, you know they want to work hard, but the the, the market is just like horrible out here. There's no relief yep. for them, and, and it's like you, you spend all this money getting an education, and it's just like no hope. Uh, so how how do you feel like about that? And have you know, with you going to like the different campuses, have people like expressed that um, that concern with you? Have you heard like any um, college students? Um, you know, bring up those concerns, you know, or discuss them, those concerns with you? Oh, ab- absolutely. We had uh, numerous college kids, you know, and the Governor Johnson did a uh, question-answer session after uh, his speech and opened up, you know, no pre-screened questions, no planted questions, just opened up to the college kids and just said, hey, ask me whatever you have. And I would say, you know, at least have probably a minimum four, if not at least five they touched on the economy and the lack of jobs and what, you know, what he would have done to fix that if he had been elected president. And and just from talking with the people in the audience afterwards in the meet and greet, um, just there's a general uneasiness about the economy and jobs and, you know, and these kids coming out and getting a good paying job. There's a lot of them that talk with me and, you know, like, oh, I, I wish I was doing what you, what you were able to do, Brad, and, and not have to worry about this college degree. You know, these are people who want to go in for business from, for themselves, or these are people who want to come out of college and land a good paying job, you know, and take care of their families or start a family and pay down their debt and be responsible citizens. And there's people who are not, unfortunately, not able to go to college because of the cost. So I spoke with several of those people, um, and, you know, and they're just they're terrified. Just the look on their eyes, you could see they're just so scared of, you know, what am I going to do? Because they don't want to sit at home and be lazy. They don't want to sit at home right. and be, you know, and be a poverty stricken, you know young person. Yeah. I've yet to meet a single person who says, you know, I want to be on welfare. I, maybe there is someone, you know, I, I don't talk to everyone, 
But most people take a sense of pride in what they do. Most people take a sense right. of pride in going, of waking up daily and going to a job and earning a living. Most people want that sense of pride. And, and let's give them that opportunity. Let's bring jobs back to this country. Um, but what we're doing now is not working. The definition of doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result, is insanity. And that's what we're doing. We're electing the same people over and over again, expecting a different result. And we keep blaming the other people. Well, at one point, we got to look at ourselves and say, well, maybe I'm the issue. Maybe I'm, doing, I'm not doing the right thing. So uh, these college kids are definitely very concerned about the future. Okay. Um, JR, did you have any questions or did you have a comment? I know you haven't said anything for a while, so this morning did you, did you want to jump in or do you have anything uh, you wanted to share? Well, you know, I mean, I, I, just like last time, I, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, you know, bo- both parties are, in my opinion, both parties are definitely in bed with one another. Uh, Republicans or Democrats, however you want to, uh, uh, Republicans or Democrats, however you want to address them. But, you know, one little thing, it, it, they've been in bed with corporations long before it was even brought up now. I mean, we're talking back to they were in bed with the Rockefellers, J.P. Morgans, and Mark Carnegie, you know. Uh, yep. there, there was a time in our American history where J.P. Morgan himself loaned the United States government money so it could meet its uh, budget for that quarter or else it would have gone into a depression. You know, so, mm-hmm. and the thing is that the people have forgotten that these Elected officials work for them, not the other way around. You yeah. know, they—they—they—they—it's uh, they, almost like the elected officials nowadays um, believe they're in this hierarchy, and they, that the people have to do whatever they do because they—they're going to go ahead and tax a half cent of every dollar out of Social Security to bring to their district or. They're going to bring X amount of new jobs by doing this or doing that, you know? But the people felt the bigger picture in that whole ordeal. They're just being told what they want to hear, you know? So that way, as uh, magicians do, don't pay no attention to that. Don't pay no attention to the hand to the right. Look what the hand to the left is doing, you know? You never want to see what the great, great Wizard of Oz is doing behind the curtain, you know? No attention to the man behind the curtain. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, it, it, this this guy here, I mean, he, he he speaks the truth when it comes to all this. I, I got zero, zero debate on anything he said so far. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes, you know, like you said, you know, the truth hurts. You know, and the thing about it is, it's like, you know, um, I tell, I, I, like I said, I tell people I'm a proud Democrat, but do I agree with everything that they're doing currently? No, I don't. And, you know, love Obama to death, but just because I'm for Obama does not mean I'm not going to hold him accountable for his actions. That's you know, right. and, I, and I really think that um, the progressive change that we thought we were going to see, I, just, I have not seen it. You know what I mean? You know, he's he's done some things, some good things, but to me, I think the people have been expecting more. And and to me, I think sometimes it's like one of those things that we're just seeing uh, politics 
play out this year. And I, and I really think that both sides, like you said, have their share in what's going on. Like, I'm not going to put, you know, one over the other. You know, and it, like I said, sometimes the truth hurts. And I, and I think with, with politicians in general, and we were discussing this, Jr. I think a lot of people... And so you so used to just voting the same people back in the office, you know. It's about it's just like this. You keep, and I'm talking about locally. Like so we, we vote the same people in the office, and we know that for them go to Congress, they're not going to do anything. Sit up there, sit, sit in the office, sit on the office for years, and not do a thing. I've, I've you know that I've never understood why people do that. You know, there, there was a time that, like what was said earlier on, when uh, yeah, he started on about the Libertarian Party and religious beliefs and all. There was a time when interracial marriages was against law, you know. And there was a time when, and it was around the same time, when such hate groups such as the KKK was considered a civil rights group. You know, and you know, are they domestic terrorists? Absolutely, they are. You know, but that's by today's definitions. When there were four people, actually believed that they were doing the right thing. And the dangerous thing about it all is not looking at every single issue because there's right. a lot of people out there, such as, for example. Members of uh, of my wife's family that vote straight line one political party, you know, it, 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 that is a very very dangerous thing to do. Just because yeah. someone has got an R or a D behind their name does not make them, you know, the better person. As we both, right. as I showed you, as I showed you with. Uh, that congressman from Georgia, Hank Johnson. Yeah, tell, tell us about that. Tell us about that because I knew we were going to talk about that. We were going to talk about that on the show before the Boston bombing happened. I think they kind of held it off. But I wanted you to tell um, the audience or um, come on and talk about that because this is the very reason why you need to research the people that you are voting for. Yeah. All right. Well, first off, I'm going to start that out with shame on you, Georgia. <laughs> There was nobody at all that could have been better for that Senate seat or that uh, House seat. Uh, Congressman Hank Johnson from Georgia sits on a a defense subcommittee. Anyways, uh, during a, a military budget meeting with the Secretary of the Navy, they were going over, you know, base by base, what their sole purpose is and why we still need them around because they were looking to shut down more bases. So Johnson gets on the island of Guam, which we have uh, the United States Navy has had a, a base there since World War II. It was one of our strong points during WW2. And uh, he told actually came out of his mouth. Congressman Johnson asked if uh, 
Guam, uh, addressed to the Secretary of Navy, that Guam is a small island, approximately seven feet by nine feet. And the Secretary of Navy, being that he has to answer this gentleman, uh, said, well, sir, it is a small island. He goes, well, it's seven miles by about 15 miles at its widest point. So, you know, change the few of the measurements, then change them a third time. Now, the follow-up question to all that was the, the congressman asked the Secretary of Navy approximately what the population of Guam was. And the, uh, um, the Secretary of Navy said approximately 120,000 people plus about 25,000 uh, Navy and Marine Corps personnel there. And the congressman actually said what I consider to this day to be the dumbest thing I've ever heard anybody ever say. And that was that his main concern was that the island would become so overly populated that it would, and I quote, tip over and capsize. Now, <laughs> I cannot make this up. There's a YouTube video out there of this very meeting, and the YouTube, uh, the, the voice doesn't even give the video justice. Because in the video, as he's saying that the, he's concerned the island's going to tip over and capsize, he's doing the hand motion and doing the tipping of his seat. And God bless this uh, admiral. Uh, the admiral said, well, sir, we do not anticipate this to happen, holding with every ounce of bearing that he had to keep from laughing at this congressman. Again, shame on you, Georgia. And like I said, this goes to show you that people do not know they they don't do their research, especially when when it's when it's dealing with. And, and to me, this is my personal opinion, and you know I, I've been guilty of this too. I think sometimes we follow international politics and you know, current events more so than local. And I think sometimes I think the people that we elect locally, I think it's more important for us to, you know, to know who we're voting for locally than nationally because these are the people that have a more direct impact on your day-to-day life. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? And I think I find so many times that we're so, we're more educated and more knowledgeable on the people that we vote for, you know, um, national offices and stuff like that versus the people that we vote for local offices. And I think that we put ourselves in a dangerous position we don't know who we're voting. And, and people, they aren't for the people. They aren't for the people. You know, they, they are leeches and they are uh, poison to the community. You can't get in touch with them when there's an issue, and you can't get in touch with them. But but when it's time to get reelected, when it's time for them, you know, to try to get that seat back, then you you see them all over the place. You can't even you you get sick of things. Like I like uh, you and I were having that conversation the other day, and I brought up the old episode of Good Times about the Alderman election. You know, you know. Uh, of course I did. 
You know, notice, <laughs> notice this. The entire time that I was saying the description of uh, this congressman's uh, faux pas, that I never once said what political party he was. Mm-hmm. You know, you know what party he was, and I know what party he was. Exactly. But, but never once did I mention it. I'm going to let the people look at that. But yeah, it uh, and you know, it, these kinds of things happen a lot more often than what anyone would like to admit. Unfortunately, again, you have many families out there that my mommy and my grandmama and all them voted straight line Republican or straight line Democrat. And that's mm-hmm. what I do. You know, yep. that is the dumbest thing anyone can do. You know, they and must just, and let's just be honest. How many of these people know they're voting? You know, d- different judges and different you know seats for like you know for you know dealing with education and things that impact you and your children and, and your family like directly. And you know, a lot of people do not know who wh- who represents their district, who represents the school district, who you know what I'm saying um, the judges, all kinds of stuff. People don't know. People don't know that stuff. They really don't. That's right. To me, that is very dangerous. You do not know, and you you could be allowing some clown to come in that does not have your best interest in heart, and could you know it's it's just it's one of those things. I think we need to become more educated, especially when it comes to uh, even dealing with shows like these. I think they they're good because we get to discuss the different uh, platforms that each party represents, and you know a lot of people don't they they, they don't know this. Place. You know, that's why I like to do shows like this to educate people and just kind of urge people. Don't just like you said, go in and vote straight party anything. And you know, and I'm not gonna lie. You know, like you know, when you don't know any better, you, when you know better, you do better. And I and I'm not gonna lie. I've, I've been I've done that in the past. You know, but you know, I try to familiarize myself with who's who's running in a particular office now before I go in and try to. Do it. But to give you a general idea how how dangerous straight line voting is without actually studying the person's background. In 1984, David Duke, the former National Grand Wizard of the Ku Klux Klan, ran for the presidency. Now, he didn't make it past the primaries, but how many votes? Do you think he actually got just based on straight line voting? Because he didn't come out as a hatred KKK. He was promoting a brand new KKK. You know? Hmm. And, and, and he was all clean shaven, clean cut, wearing a suit. He wasn't wearing the little pointy pillowcase and the bed sheet <laughs> that he got smart, you know? And this guy. Looked like he looked the role of the politician, you know, and that, my friend, is exactly how dangerous straight line voting can be. Mm-hmm. We were we were maybe a couple of hundred thousand votes away from putting them on the ballot. Oh wow! You know, he didn't win the primary, but he did take third. 
and like I said, you know, and, and like this why I said, we have to become more educated. We have to really start and stop stop voting for a particular office because, like you said, because grandmama and, and grandpappy and everybody else did it, we have to do That's the same thing with religion. Like, people just don't have any, they have no self-identity. They feel like they have to fit in a box because they have because of what society tells them or what their family tells them to do. And I think a lot of times people make that mistake even in politics, you know. You have to there's no one size fits all. Now there there may be some issues that may hit a majority of a group, but there's never a hundred percent one size fits all. And you really have yep. to be careful not to fall in that trap or that or, or fall fall victim to that because what 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 may matter to you may not matter to such and such across town, and, and people need to quit trying to put themselves in a box or feel like because well since I'm African American or if I'm Latino or I'm this and I'm that I have to vote this way. People right. are individuals now. Yeah. I mean, there's certain things that huh. I think that line between the political parties. I think when you look at it like on the local levels, that blind that line blurs a lot. But when you look at your state and national level, that's when you see it start to just get way out of control. Yeah. Well, guys, uh, I, I'm, we can continue talking. Uh, I'm gonna let um, Brad. Um, I'm gonna let him get on here because I know um, he. I want to be respectful for of his time, and I want to really thank him for coming on here. I wanted him to wrap up. Um, if he had any closing thoughts. Um, also, we just want to know what's going on in your, you know, personal life, anything you want to share, you know, a little bit about, you know, you as a person, and just to let the people know that you are one of them. Like, you, you, you know, you, so what's anything, you know, good going on with you right now outside of the world of politics, or, I mean, you just pretty much um, dealing with that right now? What do you like to do? I mean, what, you know, just tell us a little bit about yourself in closing. Sure. Uh, first of all, thank you always for the opportunity to be on the show. I always enjoy the conversation. It always helps uh, kind of prepare me for other conversations I have in the real world. Um, so right now, I'm currently building my fourth Jimmy John's, just going through the process of that, and, uh, preparing for the preparing for the Libertarian Party of Ohio's conference this Saturday, which I'm presenting at um, as one of their directors. And then Sunday, I will be jumping on a plane and head, heading to Honduras for a week. So. Um, All right. The, All right. Yeah, so uh, flying into Tegucigalpa and just going to go around and talk to some of the, you know, just go try to go to small cities and talk to the locals and just kind of get a different perspective on the world. So, you know, overall, just enjoying life and trying to get some new experiences and just try to change my viewpoint of the world and uh, that way just come back here and work hard on politics and make sure we uh, continue to live in the best damn country on the face of the planet. Yeah. So do you think by and this is my one of my last questions one of the last questions I had, like do you think by um engaging yourself and becoming more open and, and just um getting involved in too, with the libertarian party and just the world of politics in general, do you think that it has allowed you to go different places and see different things and get different points of views that or perspectives that you wouldn't have normally gotten if you hadn't engaged yourself? In the world of politics. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it just—I I can't begin to tell you the uh, the places I've gone to and the people I've talked to that I ne- normally would never have had the chance to interact with. You know, I spent two weeks in a car with a 
former governor, uh, you know, and a former oh. state judge. Mm-hmm. And it just it's just a level of knowledge you get from those from those two people. You know, Gary Johnson's climbed Mount Everest. He's currently training for a twenty four hour uh, mountain bike ride. He's trained to climb some mountain in Ocean Asia. I'm not sure where it's at. But he's actually climbing through a village of cannibals. Like, you know, oh, just gosh. stuff like that is just it's stuff you just don't comprehend and then you know, you talk to people who truly are just you know, in life and our passion when they meet Gary. And, and we had someone drive nine hours just to meet Gary Johnson, and then you talk oh, wow. to them and hear their story. Or, you know, when I was out collecting signatures for medical marijuana, um, just to hear these heart-wrenching stories of these people who are in just pain and suffering and the, and the thing that brings them the most release is marijuana. Uh, you know, we just tell them what makes them feel better. You know, if that makes them feel better, then that's their medicine. That's between them and their doctor. And, and just the different perspectives I get, you know, by, you know, trying to get involved with, you know, the petitioning, and you talk to all these people and just their, and, you know, and their stories and their lives and, and just something you just never comprehend is just, you know, it's really eye-opening. I just encourage everyone to step outside their comfort zone a little bit. I'm heading to Honduras uh, for a personal trip. It's the number one murder capital in the world for a developed country. And, I, you know, most people that would terrify, I'm jumping in a rental car, I'm just going to go drive around and talk to people because I, I feel inherently we're all good people. And then I think there's a story to be told out there. So, you know, maybe um, you know, maybe the next year or two I'll just kind of start developing some of my trips and maybe start videotaping them and getting an idea for my own voice and, and yeah, try to share some of these experiences. Idea. I think yeah. really, that would be a good idea. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, I know, I'm going to tell you, I'll follow you, follow you on Facebook. And I'm going to tell you, I'll go... I'm telling you, some of the places where you go to eat, you go eat at, I'm like, I'm just like, I'm <laughs> jealous. Like, cause you know, I like to eat, you, you know, I like. I And I think you said something about you met um, a Miss America. Um, somebody. Yeah, uh, yeah, you, yeah, you met a couple celebrities the, too, haven't you? Sure. Yeah, I ran into the current Miss New Mexico um, at the Gary Johnson event. And she's invited me out to the Miss America tri- or the show itself in June or July. Oh, right, month at calendar, uh, you know, out in Vegas. And, you know, I met a former New, Mex- New Mexico 2009. Um, in Vegas, I was able to hang out with Ron Johnson, who's a, uh up-and-coming professional boxer out of Cleveland who's, you know, about ready to do some really big things. Um, and, but he's really big on giving back to the community. So him and I have had some really wow. fantastic conversations about, you know, throwing ideas back and forth about what we both see and from our different perspectives about what he can do to help the community he's from. So uh, he's going to be coming back in the fall. We're going to go meet up in Cleveland, you know, go out, maybe catch some dinner, just try to, you know, continue to develop these ideas and these relationships. And, you know, these are things that would never happen if I just sat at home all the time. So it's just really cool to meet these people and hear their stories. And, you know, it's cool to meet, you know, meet people who have a title of their name. You know, just some of the average people I've met, you know, just truly inspired me to kind of change what I'm doing. So, All right, friends, I want to thank you for coming on, and, you know, we'll try to set something up again in the future. And, um, you know, like I said, you're always welcome to come on, and um, and, and, and it was just really good just, just having a, a really intellectual conversation and just exchanging ideas. I, I really enjoy um, when you come on here. So we will hopefully we can try to set something up in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Let's touch base after I get back from Honduras, and if I, uh, you know, have something down there that's really uh, live oh, here in the Western area, I'll jump on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, yeah, I'll get on until you and your listeners. Yeah, because I know how you are. You get into some things, so we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna talk to you further about <laughs> that. 
Cool. But um, I appreciate your time. Jr. Thanks for coming on. Um, until next time, um, guys, check us out. Um, this is the Urban Coalition of uh, Freelance Writers, and we will talk to you soon. All right, bro.